spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. Crash landed. From comics to video games. From the cinematic universe to television. Stars in the industry. Something out there had discovered us. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. It's the calm before the con. That's right, it's episode 258 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham. Actually, right now, if you're listening to this, I'm at WonderCon 2019. At Anaheim, getting you know, all the coverage that you need, you know, walking the floor, doing some great interviews. A recap of WonderCon 2019 is actually next week's show. We'll have some interviews on there for you as well. But this week, it's a big one. Going to be talking about the fight for Winona. That's right. Tim Rozon, Doc Holliday himself, joins me this week to kind of give fans an update on what's going on, what fans can do, and just the whole vibe around the whole fight for Winona movement. Hopefully, it won't be too much longer, but you're going to love with Tim has to say coming up. Also going to be talking to Colby Strong from Power Rangers Beast Morphers on Nickelodeon. We'll get to that in this week in Geektainment. But first, it's about the comics. We'll talk about them next, what we're reading on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is comic book writer Tom King, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Drag out the long box, fire up the tablet or the laptop, whatever you're reading on. It's time for what we're reading, and you, you had to know. That when Detective Comics came out from DC Comics, number 1,000, that I was going to be all over it. I've really, really been looking forward to this. And so many great creators involved. you got Scott Snyder, Kevin Smith, Tom King, among others doing the writing. Greg Capullo, Jim Lee, Dustin Wynn on the art, Alex Sinclair, Fico Placencia on the colors, Tom Napolitano, Steve Wands on the letters, and so, so many more. I'll put up a link down in nerdypodcast.com. We'd be here all day if I was listing all of the great talent. That was in this issue. I mean, I could honestly do probably do an entire show on this one issue. Uh, growing up, a bat, such a huge Batman fan over the course of my life, I really could have dedicated the entire show just to this issue. Now, this collection really runs the table of everything that makes Batman who he is. And that's one of the things I love about it. I mean, there's a spotlight on him being the world's greatest detective, and there's a funny little kick on that story too while we're at it. And there's also some interesting cases that he has to follow. And everything's really quick, but it really rounds itself out really, really well. My favorite story, though, had to be the one written by Kevin Smith. And I'm not going to spoil anything about any of these stories, so don't worry about that. Now, it had to do with some with Batman acquiring something very personal, a very personal artifact for for himself. Now, from it's from his past as well. It just felt so deeply personal. And what he ends up doing with this artifact is so symbolic. And it just grabbed me. And I know how how big of a fan Kevin is of Batman as well. So I'm not at all surprised that, that this story came from him. And it was just so deep and meaningful for me as a Batman fan. And something that I, I, I didn't really realize I needed and needed to see until I actually saw it. And read it. It was just so, so incredible. And then I also love the story that from Tom King that focused on family. It was a really, really big focus on family. That was the overall theme kind of of the story. And it had a really couple cool moments in it as well. There was also a really funny side story from Paul Dini about this boneheaded henchman that all the villains would hire over the years to try and help them defeat Batman. And it had a really, really great twist 
at the end, this is one I definitely wouldn't want to spoil it for you because it's so much fun. And having one of the co-creators of Harley, Harley Quinn be a part of that, I think that worked out pretty well. That was pretty smart. I mean, it's also bringing in iconic artists, too, like Neil Adams and Kelly Jones and, and company really added something to this book for me. And there was the final story in the book from Peter J. Tomasi that is going to be the kicker going forward. Remember in Action, Action Comics 1000, you had Brian Michael Bendis's story bringing in a new character, and that kind of brought things through going forward in Action Comics. This story from Peter J. Tomasi also brings in a character that's not a new character, but a character that's debuting for the first time within canon. So it's going to be really interesting to find out exactly how that goes going forward. You've probably seen it online, but just in case you haven't, I don't want to be the guy that spoils it for you when you get to the final pages of of, of Detective Comics number 1000. I don't want to rob you of that wow moment. I mean, there were so many other great stories in here as well. Again, I could talk, at them, talk about them all, probably all show long. But th- as far as a collection of stories go and a celebration of a thousand issues of Detective Comics, this was a tremendously fitting one and you get to see a lot of other characters throughout DC Comics as well not just in the Bat family involved here and it all really really makes so much sense I really don't feel like there was anything missing from this collection that's one of the things that you that you always worry about as a fan right that you're gonna go ah this was so great but I really wish they'd put this in there and you can't put everything in there but this is one of those instances where I don't feel like a there was a false moment and b there was anything missing from this epic collection. So Detective Comics 1000 is definitely one that you're going to want to add to your collection. You will not be sorry that you did. We've got a little bit of a new beginning for Sabrina the Teenage Witch from Archie Comics this week. A brand new number one, as a matter of fact. Written by Kelly Thompson, Veronica and Andy Fish on the art and colors, and Jack Morelli on the letters. Now, I will tell you, this seems like a much more lighthearted reboot of Chilling the Adventures of Sabrina. I say reboot in kind of a air quotes type of scenario here, and the reason I say that is because she already has Salem, but she meets Harvey for the first time in this first issue. So, I mean, and she's preparing for a quote-unquote, I'll do the quotes for you this time, mortal high school in Greendale, which she's dreading. So, she's kind of keeping her magic a secret, too, in this, by the way, and that doesn't mean she's not going to be using it either. We do see that, so don't worry about that at all. Now, we do see some ideals from the recent Netflix series of her sort of standing up for what she believes in and standing up for other people. That's definitely not missing from this issue, and it's not necessarily something that she hasn't done before either, so that's very much a part of this. Now, we also see that the supernatural is going to follow her no matter what she does or whether she wants it to or not. Now, right at the beginning of this issue, we see that she's in trouble, and that really comes full circle in the final pages. Now, there's something about this monster's reveal that's really going to complicate things for Sabrina in more ways than one based on the way the rest of the story sort of played out. Now, that's the best I can do without spoiling anything for you. Now, something that seemed very fun and relatable about this book. I mean, Sabrina herself helps because it's very charming and I love the way that Kelly Thompson presented her in this story. And I'm sure that that helps and there's plenty of normal teenage angst there as well. So as far as, you know, wanting teenagers to read this book, I think that there'll be some relatable things in there. The the twist to the story's villain also makes it really interesting and makes the rest of the story more interesting going forward because there's kind of like a double-edged sword thing going on here and you'll find out what that is once you actually 
read the book. Now, as far as the art goes, very detailed, with great pops of color. As a matter of fact, there's some great retro-style lettering on effects that really make those jump out, so I thought that that was a lot of fun. So what you're getting is this isn't necessarily your hardcore Sabrina book that's really, really, you know, really heavy. This is a little bit more of a lighthearted take, but it does have some serious stuff going on there as well. And, you know, there's some there's some spotlights on friendship there, and we get to see her family. You got, you got Hilda and Zelda on there as well, so don't worry about that. They're a part of this too. But it just seems like this was a really fun, you know, bringing in of Sabrina the Teenage Witch with a new number one. I think that this was a good kicking off point. So if you love the character, you're going to love this. I think that this is something that that fans of both the Sabrina the Teenage Witch original series with Melissa Joan Hart and the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, I think this is a coming together of that. I think that this is one of those things that that everybody can, can, can enjoy if you're a Sabrina fan. So this is a poll for me. Make sure you're reading Sabrina the Teenage Witch number one from Archie Comics and grab it next time you're at your local shop or digital retail or whatever you prefer. It's going to do it for what we're reading up next. Going to be talking to Colby Strong about Power Rangers Beast Morphers and get a little insight into that show next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Karen Ashley from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and you're listening to Down and Nerdy Podcast. Another season of Power Rangers is on, by the way, in case you didn't know on Nickelodeon. It's Power Rangers Beast Morphers, which you can see Saturdays at 8 a.m. on Nick. And we just happen to be talking to Blaze himself this week. It's Colby Strong. Colby, what's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me. Pretty good, man. And, I mean, Power Rangers just celebrated 25 years. So what's it like to be part of a brand new season now that keeps that tradition alive? You know, it's kind of wild. I'm still pitching pitching myself every single day, realizing what kind of a legacy that I'm a part of. Yeah, we're doing seasons 26 and 27 now, and it's more alive than ever, I would say. Saban, Haim Saban, who started the series back in 1993 or 94, somewhere around there, you know, he owned he owned it back and forth until up till now when he officially sold it to Hasbro. So now we're in completely different hands. And I feel like Hasbro has a new fresh take on the series and they want to make it as big as they can. And I've been talking to some people from Hasbro and potentially they want to make it as big as Transformers. So it's really exciting to be a part of a new renaissance, if you will, where hopefully we're getting it out to a brand new audience new kids that are going to be able to grow up with it just like I did back in the 1990s. So it's really, really exciting. Oh, we'll be talking about Hasbro here in just a second. But first, I wanted to talk about this current season that we're looking at right now. I mean, we saw in the first episode, Blaze was kind of supposed to be the Red Ranger, and that didn't really work out. So since you ended up playing a villain, do you have a favorite Power Rangers villain maybe from a past season? Oh, my gosh. Uh, What a great question. Well, there's so many legends, you know, I feel like, you know, uh, it's humbling to even say, be a part of the conversation saying, hopefully, maybe I can be someone's favorite villain one day, which is, I mean, I don't know. I personally think Blaze has the coolest morph suit in probably the history of Power Rangers, which is super exciting. It's pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. Maybe I'm a little biased. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know. Like all the, all the classics like Lord Zed or like I grew up with like the Power Rangers Turbo movie, which is uh, Diva Talks. And I mean. She, she's crazy. And after I actually went back and watched the movie after I got cast, you know, just kind of getting a feel of, oh, my gosh, I remember these days. And she's a brilliant actress. Like, she was so committed. You know, um, not that I'm not committed. It's just Blaze is a lot more hushed and a little bit more nuanced. So right, it's right. cool to watch everybody's choices with. And now I'm getting into the acting side of it. But still, like, it's a really awesome thing to do. Watch those choices now and be like, wow, like, 
she's amazing. You know, so that's been really fun. Obviously, Rita Repulsa, like all of the, you know, the Psycho Rangers. I grew up with Power Rangers in space. A lot of people are saying um, like kind of how they went about Blazing Roxy and editing our voices when we're morphed and stuff like that reminds them of Psycho Rangers. So that's just even an honor to be compared to them. So, yeah, it's kind of fun to be amongst all these kind of crazy villains. Now, it didn't take long for Blaze to get a rival on the show. We saw it actually right away in like the first few minutes of the first episode. So even though he's an avatar now, how personal are kind of things between him and Devin? A lot of people are asking, you know, a lot, I get a lot of, I get the question a lot, you know, like who is Blaze? And it's really hard to explain because his avatar really makes it kind of complicated because now he's not a human, you know, does he make human choices? Can he make non, you know, human, you know, there's, it kind of gets really messy. So I kind of had to create the base of the character off of two scenes of me being good because from there, then it can build. But the way the writers, you know, wrote it is, is he kind of has this, it just kind of explodes in this arc of competition and, and being beat out. And he literally does. People ask me, uh, you know, who is Blaze? And I say he's competitive. Um, the kind of base work that I did for him when he was good is the reason he was number one top cadet at Grid Battle Force at the time for him to receive the Red Ranger role, right? Because everybody had to go through the cadet training and Blaze got the Red Ranger, meaning he was the best out of everybody. He has the black belt in karate, all that stuff. You know, he he was the best and that was everything that he committed. He committed himself to his career and and his goals more than anything else. And I think it's because he didn't have a family or, you know, that's all he really had. So for Devin to come up and kind of challenge him in a way. He he doesn't like to be replaced. He doesn't like competition because he knows he's the best. So that's kind of why Blaze explodes at the beginning, which is super justified coming from my point of view and doing the character work. And so then for him to literally get replaced by Devin as the Red Ranger, and now he is the, you know, now he's evil, it only justifies the whole season for them to be this competition. So So coming from that place, it's been really fun to, have a full-on justification about why Blaze is, is literally crazy and why he's going about the way, going things about the way that he does. Absolutely, man. Now, talking about the season as a whole so far, it seems like there's a real focus on, like, the clean energy initiative and stuff like that from this season. How cool is that to yeah. kind of bring that to the forefront on, on a show on Nickelodeon for kids so early on? Yeah, it is really exciting. You know, being a part of a show that, I mean, it's never changed. They've always really loved focusing on the lesson. And it, we know, you know, the, the show, we know our demographics. Sometimes us as actors even try to throw in some some extra, you know, drama. We're like, ooh, can we, can we, you know, I don't know. Ravi says, hey, can I try to cry in this scene or something? You know, we try to make it more adult or, you know. But they really, really like to focus on what their demographic focus is, which is ages 4 to 6 or 4 to 12. Or I can't remember what exactly it is. You know, and they really like to show those life lessons. And after watching the episodes, it's truly awesome to, to be a part of something that's very relevant. You know, it's like, hey, we're trying to, it's something that we can kind of relate to. So it's really exciting, hopefully, that it's kind of, these lessons are kind of getting through to the kids and showing them, you know, literally let's kind of try to save the world. Um, and they can as well by being quote-unquote superheroes. Absolutely. We're talking to Colby Strong, who of course plays Blaze on Power Rangers Beast Morphers. Make sure you're watching every Saturday. As a matter of fact, this Saturday, 8 a.m. on Nickelodeon. Yes. Now, Colby... Blaze's suit has the power to teleport him anywhere. We talked about how cool the suit is, but Evox is kind of 
stuck in another in another dimension. So instead of asking you where you would go if you could, if you had the teleportation power, what's the last place you'd want to be stuck? Oh my gosh, you catch me off guard with this one. The last place in the world. I don't know. I don't. I think there's like pros and cons to having zero service and being in the middle of nowhere because actually you can truly disconnect from the world which sometimes i think we all need but also i mean personally if we want to just be super honest i mean i'm a workaholic i love you know i love working i could probably take a couple days off to kind of re-energize but that's kind of all i need so being somewhere that i can't you know keep in contact with with career or something like that would kind of be difficult for me. I don't really know if I have a specific place because I think there's pros and cons to being anywhere. Totally, yeah. So um, maybe a specific place for three or four days and then maybe I get sick of it. I don't know. Maybe that sounds... You just like to keep moving. Makes me sound like a terrible person. No, you just like to keep moving. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, I do. Nothing wrong with that, man. Now, speaking of Evox, I mean, we only have... We kind of only are getting small glimpses of what he's really capable of in the first few episodes. So how much are we going to learn about just how dangerous he is in the future? Well, super exciting at the end of season one, some crazy, crazy stuff happens and I can't wait for everybody to see, but you know, that it's a new level of, of how committed he is to getting this more effects to then take over the world. So some crazy stuff happens in between with Blaze and Roxy and you know, it's, everybody is in it for themselves. And that's, that's kind of the scary thing about, how powerful this want for this power slash Morphex is because everybody would be willing to tear each other down, uh, specifically the villains is what I'm talking about, to get this power, which is kind of scary if you think about in, in real human terms, what is something that you would tear everybody down for to get, which is, you know, so it's kind of been fun to play with. It sounds really light in the show, but when you actually look at the circumstances, it's pretty it's pretty hectic. Absolutely. I like that you brought up Roxy because let's talk about your partner in crime for a minute. How fun has it been hatching evil plans with Liana Ramirez? <laughs> oh my gosh, me and Liana, we are with each other twenty four seven, no lie. We've been you know, with each other for seven months. And it's been fun creating creating not only our own character, but what is our dynamic together and what are our strengths together? You know, it's, it's fun. It's been fun to really figure out, you know, Oh, now Roxy takes the lead on this and blaze takes the lead on this, but then how much do they really actually care about each other? You know? So it's kind of been really fun to play with. And she has been the most amazing to work with. Gosh, you know, there's so many things that I want to share about even season two that um, that's, you know, coming up next year and stuff, but, there's just been a lot of collaborations that we've done to try to get together who are Blaze and Roxy and and what are they capable of. So it's been fun, and I'm so excited to for everyone else to see what we've kind of done with the rest of the two seasons. Now, Colby, before I let you go, it sounds like you you got a pretty good knack for what's going on with Hasbro. So we know the Power Rangers was acquired by Hasbro not too long ago, like you said. Leads me to leads to a lot of exciting possibilities, I think. So what other Hasbro properties would you love to see Power Rangers Beast Morphers cross over with at some point? Oh, my gosh. Well, they are. Uh, this is me just going off of what I've heard in the media, but I think they are planning on making a second Power Rangers movie, which they made in 2017, if I if I know that correctly. Yep, yep I think so that's I right. Think they are making. Yeah. So I think they are planning on their like, you know, I don't think it was a flop or anything, but I think it could have done a lot better or something is what I heard. But I think they're still planning on pushing through and making that investment for the second movie so they can even make it bigger and better. Honest, obviously, like even selfishly, even if they could just involve Blaze and Roxy, like the villains into the, you know, I know it's completely different. 
But oh man, if I could just collaborate with any of the other mediums, you know, even. Um, but having an action figure alone has been a great, great experience and once in a lifetime and career, I think. But yeah, honestly, um, nothing specific, but just collaborating with more and more Hasbro things. They do a lot of, of work in this industry and it's just an honor to be a part of them now with AllSpark Productions and all that stuff. I think the Power Rangers and Mask spinoff would be awesome, but that's just me. <laughs> let's do it. I'm down for anything. I think that'd be really cool. So if Hasbro, Hasbro if you guys are listening, let's uh, let's make that happen at some point, right? Make sure Blaze and Roxy are a part of it because Power Rangers Beast Morphers is every Saturday morning. New episode this Saturday, 8 a.m. on Nickelodeon. Make sure you're watching it and get ready for the next season as well. It's Colby Strong. Blaze, thank you so much for joining me this week, man. Hey, thank you so much, James, for having me. Thank you, everybody. I got to tell you, while Blaze might be a little bit of a jerk on Power Rangers Beast Morphers, I think if if you're a fan of Heroes, that you could probably agree with that. There's a lot of cool stuff going on with him and with Roxy. And Evox is someone who who's afraid of snakes and can't stand snakes. Freaks me out. So hopefully that computer virus come to life doesn't cause too much trouble for the Rangers. But I mean, it's just a fun show, Power Rangers Beast Morphers, Saturday mornings on Nickelodeon. If you're a Power Rangers fan, I think you'll dig it. So if you're not watching it already, make sure you are. That's going to do it for this week in Geek Tainment and my interview with Colby Strong. Up next, you know we've got some nerd news to tend to, and we'll do that on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Brittany Ishibashi from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shadows, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. As it turns out, spring is eternal because it's time for nerd news. And to be honest, it was kind of a light week for news, but this was probably the biggest story of the week in that the Hollywood Reporter is reporting that Angelina Jolie going to be making her first superhero movie ever with Marvel Studios' The Eternals, which, of course, is being directed by Chloe Zhao. Now, as far as details and stuff, of course, Marvel's going to have no comment, but it looks like there could be a role for her as Cersei, who is, you know, relishing walking amongst humans, according to The Hollywood Reporter, and having some sort of a love story with Icarus. And if you're not familiar with The Eternals, it's basically the nuts and bolts is it's Kirby's Marvel version of New Gods. Basically, you know DC's going to have their New Gods movie coming up. This is going to be Marvel's version of that, and that's kind of the gist. I know it's really not that simple, so for anybody that loves Eternals, don't worry, I get that. It's just, you know, the basic gist of the whole thing. You know, and Kirby never got to finish it either, so for all we know, these Celestials might actually get a little bit of an ending to their story. Somebody's going to get to write the ending to this story, is my point. But here's the deal. I mean, you could say that this is risky as far as adventure is concerned. I think I've talked about the Eternals before. As long as fans see that Marvel logo in the front and hear those pages turning and seeing that red logo before the movie, they are going to give it a fighting chance. That much is for certain. As far as having Angelina Jolie involved in this, I mean, yeah, she's a marquee name. She's certainly a name that everybody knows. She hasn't done a comic book movie since Wanted, though, if you really want to think about it. And I'm not even sure that matters. I'm not sure how much of a comic book movie this is really going to be. I mean, I should. I, I, you wonder what they have to do to make this successful because this will really be one of those movies where a lot of Marvel fans, casual Marvel fans are not going to know who the Eternals are. Diehard fans will know. The general movie going public will not know. But that might be the key to the whole thing. The not knowing for the general movie going public might actually work 
in Marvel's favor here. As long as you can present them with something that's different and funky, people are going to go see it. And again, I've said this a million times. I'm going to say it a million and one. You need the general movie going public to be interested in these movies in order for them to work. So that might actually work in the favor of Marvel in this particular instance. So only time will tell just how successful the Eternals will be either with or without Angelina Jolie. I mean, it's the Hollywood Reporter, so I take them at their word on this. They're usually pretty accurate with this stuff. So Angelina Jolie probably will be a part of this project. It'll just be very interesting to see who the rest of the cast is going to be around her because I'm sure of one thing. Angelina Jolie did not come cheap. So the budget for casting on this will be very, very interesting, especially to find out who one of the other stars might be. And she might not play, seriously. I mean, she might play another character, so we'll have to wait and see on that as well. You know the Disney Fox buyout went through. It is now complete. It is done. And what does that mean for some of the projects that were already happening through 20th, 20th Century Fox? Well, New Mutants has been in limbo for a long, long time. It was supposed to be released, what, April 2018? So last year, almost a year ago. Still not happening, and then it was going to be February, and that didn't happen. Now, the release date is actually supposed to be October the 2nd. But you remember those those act, those act reshoots that were supposed to be happening not too long ago? Well, guess what? Maisie Williams actually said, yeah, you know those reshoots that were supposed to happen? She, was, she told the Rolling Stone, never actually happened. So here's the deal. I mean... At this point, do you just flush this movie? I mean, I don't know. There's been talk that it could be released on Disney's streaming service, on Disney+, and everybody just wants to see if this movie is actually going to happen. It's supposed to be almost like a, a superhero, a horror movie type of a vibe. It's going to be a little bit scarier than other movies. We saw that trailer. It certainly looked like it was going to be pretty intense. But at this point, I'm not sure... This movie will ever actually happen, but there's got to be a reason for that. And she says that, you know, she has no idea when it's going to come out. She also, that I'm paraphrasing there, by the way, that she told the Rolling Stone. So, I mean, the, the cast are usually the last to know, so that's not a huge surprise. But there's a reason that this thing keeps getting pushed. you got to figure that Disney took inventory of everything that 20, 20th Century Fox was doing and all the movie projects that they had and said, yeah, we need to make sure we get this done or push this or, ah, you know what, let's push this back or, oh, let's not do this. This is a X-Men property, right? And you would think that maybe Disney would want to push this through, but at the same time, they must see something in it that they don't like. And these are not reshoots that were under their control either. And again, probably one of the reasons that it never happened was because of this whole merger. So business aspects could have gotten in the way of that. But at the same time, if the movie, if the product was good and Disney saw it, they would not keep it on the shelf just because they weren't in charge of the production. That's just not going to happen. And and maybe they will order new reshoots of their own, but it seems like it just seems like they are scared of this movie for some reason. I don't know if maybe it's they feel it's too hardcore for the brand or whatnot. Maybe they feel like fans will think that this is their launch of X-Men into the MCU, and they don't want to give that impression. There's a reason why this movie's snake bit so bad, and it's just just seems like it's never going to come out, like the Flash movie for DC. There's so many problems that have come along with that thing, and so many things have gone wrong. 
I'm not sure that we'll ever see it, and maybe we shouldn't see it. Just like maybe New Mutants is just a movie that we will never see. I mean, it seems silly to have a finished product and not release it, but if you're not proud of said product and you are the new owners of this product, you're not going to show it off just because it's already done. So I am wondering if there's a big, big reason that Disney has not released this thing yet. We'll have to wait and see if it's ever going to come out. So Charmed on the CW, you might have heard my review of it earlier on the season for the for the season premiere. I just it just didn't grab me like I really hoped it would and apparently I wasn't alone. There's going to be a little bit of a new direction on the show because the Hollywood Reporter states that Charmed is changing showrunners and creative directions for season 2. Well, well, well. Let's see what's going to happen here. So Carter Covington is going to be departing the CW drama, and the new showrunners are going to be Liz Krueger and Craig Shapiro. Now, the other th- part of this is they are going to be focusing more on the supernatural. So that, to me, is like what you guys should have done in the first place. So I, I just didn't understand why they didn't do that. And there was nothing wrong with the stars of the show. It just seemed at times where that it just didn't know what it wanted to be and didn't focus enough on the things that it should be focusing on, and that is the supernatural. The, you know, the, the original Charmed certainly had its other storylines that it focused on, right? There are plenty of other things going on, but there was always that tie into the supernatural. They always had something going on, and I'm not saying that this current version doesn't. It's just something wasn't right for me from the beginning, and I knew it had nothing to do with the cast because they're very, very good and it just seemed like the, the, the writing wasn't quite there for me. It didn't come across as as charmed as what I would think that it would be. And, and maybe it's not for me, and I understand that. So before you get all yelly at me and adding me on Twitter, I realize that the show probably isn't for me, and I don't really necessarily have to be the one that likes it. But obviously they're changing showrunners for a reason, so it's not just me. And I have had other fans tell me the same exact thing, that... It's just not what they thought it would be and as good as they thought it would be. So what do you do? You make a change and hope that that's going to happen in the second season. And you know what? They could have canceled it, but they didn't. Obviously, they see something in something about this show, and I think it's the cast. I think they know they've got the right cast. Now you just need the right direction. It's just like in sports. If you have a lot of good players, but you're losing, there's got to be a reason for that, right? So you get somebody that can motivate said players to be able to start winning. Well, you get new showrunners who can, you know, change the direction of the show and get a new direction of the show, and that's the supernatural, and boom, you might actually have something there. So I think that this is the CW's effort to actually want to do more with this show and make more seasons of it because they know they have something. But, I mean, if this doesn't work, I would just, I would be very, very curious to see what the future of Charmed is going to be. Got a little bit of an update on what's going on with IDW Media Holdings. You know that there've been a, there's been a lot of talk of what's going on here. And it looks like, according to multiple outlets, including ICV2, that they could be on the block this time. They could actually be for sale. They have retained investment bank JP Morgan to assist in a, quote, strate- review of strategic relationships and alternatives. Now, alternatives could mean... That they are up for sale doesn't necessarily mean that they are up for sale, but it seems like that could be what's happening here. And here's the other thing. Is it all for sale 
are partially for sale. There's no deadline or anything on this, but they showed, and, and this is, was in the, in the story by ICV2, a $36 million loss in the physical, physical year. That's not good. That's very, very bad. And you know what's happening with Winona Earp. As a matter of fact, going to get ready to talk to Tim Rose on here in just a second about the fight for Winona. You know what's going on. So it could be, I just don't see IDW letting go of their comics. I really, really don't. I, I think that they're going to hang on to That'll be the last thing that they would sell. But that does not mean that they won't sell IDW Entertainment. That is the one that I think we're looking at here. Maybe IDW Games as well. I'm not sure that they'll even need to sell that. I think that they're still doing pretty well. But I would not be surprised if IDWE is what is they is what they are trying to sell. Now, how you go about doing that and retaining your comics and your other stuff, that's a whole other scenario. I'm not sh- exactly sure about that yet. But, I mean, look how many pieces that Marvel was split into for the longest time, right? But you have to keep in mind too these uh, some of these are creator owned properties too, so then they're kind of, you're opening up a whole other can of worms. There as well. So there's a lot to deal with in the sale. So it could be an all or nothing situation. It could be that they're just going to try and sell off this piece because if you sell off IDWE, then that kind of almost solves your financial problem, right? Depending on who buys it. So then you could make whatever you needed to make because you'd think the new investors would have the money to put out for, say, a Winona Earp Season 4 or something like that. I mean, granted, it would take a while, but that's the other thing that can make this take a while is that if IDW is, in fact, up for sale, it's not like they're going to be spending a whole lot of money anytime soon, so that might extend the fight for Winona a little bit longer than fans might want. Let's get it up for Nerd News up next. Speaking of the fight for Winona, let's talk to Tim Rozon about that. Mr. Doc Holliday joins us next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hi, my name is Emily Andrews. I'm the showrunner and executive producer of Winona Earth TV series, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. In case you're wondering, the fight for Winona is still on. We had to get involved, though. We wanted to really jump in and find out what's going on here and maybe, you know, find some support for the fans as well. And we're going to do that this week with Doc Holliday himself. Welcome back to the show, Tim Rozon. Tim, what's up, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on this show of all shows. Uh, you know, I got a soft spot in my heart for you guys. I appreciate so, uh, that, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wish it was under better, better circumstances, though, man, because, I mean, the fight for Winona sort of came out of nowhere for the fans of the show, how caught off guard were, were you guys when production didn't start as expected? Yeah, to be honest, uh, that's what it is. It's just caught off guard is a great way to put it. You know, uh, listen, uh, if anybody follows me on social media, uh, about two or three weeks, even less, um, before the first announcement was made, I was at a, posting pictures of myself at a Willie Nelson concert in Nashville uh, with the stash of old stashes. I mean, yep. I was ready to, yep. you know, I was ready to go. So, um, and I maybe found out a couple of days before uh, it was official what, what was happening. And, and really what I found out is things are on hold, things are postponed, and then uh, things started coming out in the media more and more. Absolutely. Now, once word did start to get out, I mean, it was no surprise the outpouring of support from the Erpers out there. And now we've seen members of the cast fight for shows. We've seen members of casts fight for shows before. But this seems very personal to you guys. Would you agree with that? And if so, kind of talk about a little bit why that is. Uh, I mean, 100%. Listen, at the end of the day, uh, I'm here because of the them, the Erpers, the, that fandom. 
what they've created is, 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 is really something special. And it's not something like any other fandom. It's just not. Other fandoms can say that they've had great things. And I'm not saying there's not other great fandoms, but what this fandom has created is just something really special. It's just, um, it's a really inclusive, accepting uh, fandom that's built on kindness in a time when maybe, you know, especially on social media, um, it doesn't always feel like the world is, is, is getting along. Well, Erpers get along, you know what I mean? And it's like the one part of, 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 um, of social media that I just know is, is positive is, is, is the Erper fandom. Um, these fans are the reason we got season two. They're right. the reason we got season three. They're the reason I'm looking at a people's choice award on my <laughs> right yep. behind me. You know, these, these fans have to fight for everything. And, it, you know, being honest between you and me, it breaks my heart a little bit that they have to fight so hard because they deserve so much. I just feel like they fought from day one. And I just wish they didn't have to fight so hard because they really, really deserve the world. Absolutely. As you talk to more and more fans and you get to interact with a lot of fans of Wine yeah. on Earth, what is the one thing you hear from fans? What makes this show so important to them? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's like, it's the show is one thing, but it's honestly, the fandom is something else. And that's the only, that's the best part of all this. No matter what happens, this fandom will still be there and what they've created and what I'm a part of uh, will still be there. Nobody can take that from us. You know what I mean? No, no corporation or whatever can touch what we believe in our hearts Mm -hmm. and what we have in our hearts and, and, and the things we've shared together. Um, You know, my favorite, some of my favorite, moments of my life have been with meeting Erper fans. Um, you know, some of the, my most favorite moments ever have been at conventions, meeting fans or on the street, meeting fans. Um, you know, last week I went, uh, I went down to New York city because the kids have taken over, uh, Times square. They call it Erper square where they've been buying these billboards to fight for Winona. <laughs> um, you know, so, um, I went and, uh, I met Michael Eklund down there who happened to be in town and, and we went and met the fans and I mean, 30, 40 people came uh, just talking to them again. It just, it filled my heart with just such joy and happiness that I realized, man, uh, I don't want to lose this. And then, you know, when I got home, I realized I don't have to lose this. No matter what happens, that feeling never has to go away. Um, because it's 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 in my heart. Absolutely, man. And I mean, for fans itching for something Winona related that we definitely know is coming soon, though, why don't you talk a little bit about Bad Day at Black Rock? Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, with the comic book is coming coming in in should be coming for June. It's I'm really proud of it. I really want everybody to to read it, and and uh, I really think everybody's going to dig the story. I really had the Yerpers in mind as I was uh, co-writing it. It's, 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 it's tough. It's, 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 it's a bittersweet feeling. It's, um, I want, I understand, you know, the Earpers because they fear that, you know, um, if they liked the book, well, then they're, they're turning their back on the show because there was some sort of statement saying, oh, that, you know, the sh- Winona Earp will continue in one way or another, whether, whether it's the show or the book. Uh, and I think a lot of kids got scared that, okay, well, it's just going to continue in the book and, and not in the show. I haven't heard anything like that on my end. Trust me, I want to know that more than <laughs> right. anybody. You, you know what I mean? Uh, as for the book, it's just it's an unfortunate predicament because I'm really proud of it. Uh, and, you know, and it's a, it's a great story that I, I hope Herpers read. I hope they're not, 
too upset about the, the, the situation what happened. I like I said, I don't. It's, it's I don't even know who's to blame in this situation. You know, I just know it's it's a weird it's a weird situation. It's, I've never been in this in this spot before. Listen, in the acting world, you know to never take anything for granted. Right. I know that from life. I mean, I've I've been eating humble pie for a long, long time. Um, so I kind of really don't take anything for granted. And I appreciated every moment of, of getting to play Doc, of, of getting to be with Erpers. I hope it never ends. But you never know what happens. That's just this business. I, you know, that's just this business. I've never been on a show that got picked up by a network and then then we're not shooting. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, I, I'm not the one who controls those types of situations. So I, I don't know the answer. I wish I did. Uh, it's kind of funny because, to be honest, actors ourselves, we're the last to know. We really are. No, nobody really tells us anything. We just we just don't find out. Um, you know, people producers and stuff they have meetings that we're not privy to we you know we're just we're just not we're we're the actors we're we're not part of those meetings do you feel like emily andros though kind of makes you guys more part of that than say what your normal experience has been a hundred percent as an executive producer i'll say this emily andros above all to me is a friend uh and i mean that so yeah from day one and just i mean as a as an executive as a producer as a writer um, she's always has our interests at heart, and we all know that. We all know that a hundred percent. But you know, unfortunately, it's not just her decision. Right, of course. <laughs> yeah. If it was her decision, you guys be on set right now. So we know that. Well, of course, Emily's fighting harder than anybody. You know. Talking to Tim Rozon about the fight for Winona and Winona Earp, and I got to tell you, Tim, we you touched on this a second ago, but I got to ask the question that all the Earpers want to know right now. If you get the call mm-hmm. tomorrow, Winona Earp is back. How quickly mm-hmm. can the stash grow out, man? How quick? How, well, how What are we talking here? You know what's funny is it grows faster than normal. So the 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 first year, well, it you know it's been a. a, a a beautiful journey that mustache went on. If anybody noticed from episode one yep. or two, uh, to, to you know, by episode five, six, and then by season two, season three, what that stash looked like. Yep. So listen, for me, I'd like a good three months. Three months will get it about as bold as it can be. After three months is when Gunther, the makeup artist, uh, he starts bringing her down. He just nice. starts ha- hacking away at the thing. But I can do it in two. You hear I can that? do it in two months. He can be ready in two months. And, and and if need be, I mean, it feels like the stash is woven into your DNA at this point, Tim. It's like it's it like just, your body knows. It just knows. And if I need it to happen, trust me, it will go quicker. Oh, man, trust me, you just saying that gives me goosebumps. Let me get that call. Let me. All I want to do <laughs> is grow a mustache, my friend. Trust me. I don't want to, you know, that's all I want to do. You missed the I, hat, too, I, just, I see. I see you missed the hat. Oh, yeah, yeah, I missed that hat. I missed that hat. Well, let's let's actually talk about the show a little bit because the last time we saw Doc, I mean, he was saving Winona. I was heading into God knows where to save Waverly. So, do you feel like he's you know he's redeemed himself at this point, or does more need to be done? You know, it's it's a difficult situation because I had a hard arc last season for season three. You know, yeah, I, you did. I, I was I was disappointed in some of Doc's choices. You know, but I was I, I'm hoping that uh, season four will be his redeeming. I don't think he's had his redeeming. He's redeemed himself yet, to be honest. You know, the needle is and the damage is done, as Neil Young once said. Um, I think, you know, um, he's got to prove himself once again. But I think he made the right step and by 
you know, going into the unknown for Waverly for, you know, it's a great step. Um, and I, and I believe, I believe in my heart that doc is a good guy and, uh, I want the best and man, do I want this story to, uh, get the ending it deserves, yeah. uh, you know, the whole Winona story. That would be the part that breaks my heart the most. Um, if, uh, if some, somehow, some way we don't go back that, uh, we won't get an ending to our story because above all else, I'm a fan of the show and, uh, man, I want to know what happens. Not only that, but I, I mean, it's a little bit harder for you because you, you've got to be thinking, man, I, I don't want to go out like that. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, um, I'd rather know what's going to happen to <laughs> Widota. Right, <laughs> As right. Fan. And then I guess, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't want to go out like that. I really don't. Uh, and uh, I can't remember if I left my hat on the floor when I went up those stairs or if I took it with me. Oh, I know man. I left my guns. I know I left my guns for Winona, but... Gosh, I hope I took that hat with me. Well, here's something else that I know that that fans are, especially fans from the comic days, are looking forward to. How excited are you to finally see Valdez at some point on the show? Oh, I'm ecstatic. I'm ecstatic. I got to tell you, Valdez might be one of my favorite characters to write. She's just so wonderful. She's so complex. Um, I mean, Age-wise, I don't think we've aged her, but it's in the thousands of years. Like she's mm-hmm. been through, she's been around for everything. She's seen it, been there, done that, uh, seen it all. And uh, some of my favorite scenes to write are Winona Valdez scenes. They play off each other real totally, nice. yep. And you know, and you know, as much as Winona's got that sass and kind of, uh, well, Valdez, she just calls Winona on it every second because she's she's been there, done that, and I love it so much. Well, speaking of which, because you know that we we don't necessarily have fans of the show that are reading the comics. So for anybody that mm-hmm. wants to maybe get caught up, get ready for season four, because you know how optimistic Erpers are. Okay, so for anybody that that wants to get caught up and ready about Valdez for season four, what do you think's like some re- required reading that maybe they can get caught up on during this weird hiatus? I did co-write a book called Season Zero, uh, which you can get in graphic novel form. It's just one of the things I'm the most proud of is that that story it's a five issue arc but in the graphic novel it's all combined uh and it's a great story where you kind of get to see valdez in all her glory and understand about her and a little bit of her past and uh you see the relationship she has with everybody else and just the pure powerhouse that is valdez absolutely man now we know that the fight for winona will go on until the show returns that's just period end of story but I'm sure fans are kind of wondering what they can do next. So what can you say to the Erpers who want to continue their fight for the show? And are there any more meetups that you know about that you could tell fans about? Just keep doing what they're doing. And honestly, I thank them from the bottom of my heart for every single person that's fighting and, and, and yelling. And, and I hear you and I, I appreciate you. And it's incredible. And just not to stay silent. I think that's the thing. I think people are hoping, oh, eventually, you know, all these kids will quiet down and but we won't, you know, we're going to fight forever because this is something we love. That's what people need to understand. We're fighting for something we love and we're fighting for our family and we want to keep our family together. So it's not something we're going to stop fighting for all of a sudden. It's just not going to stop. Absolutely, man. And we will not stop. Make sure you hashtag fight for Winona on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you're at on social media. You know what else helps too, guys, at least from my perspective anyway, and people that I've talked to, Watch Winona Earp Season 3, sci-fi.com slash Winona Earp. Those numbers don't lie, folks. If you do that, 
You know, just keep rewatching yeah. those episodes. Keep tweeting about that. That'll help as well. You can also look for Bad Day BlackRock. It's going to be coming out. You said June. Do we have a hard date for that yet? No, I don't. Uh, I just know summer. And so for me, summer is June. <laughs> like as soon right. as it starts getting hot, I say summer. I was told summer. So June or July. So that's, when I, that's what we're going to go with. We're going to go with June or July. Then you can get your hands on that. And you can also see Tim, by the way. You want to follow the rest of his work. Digstown on CBC TV if you're in Canada. Make sure you check that out as well. It's Tim Rozon. Thank you so much for fighting, man, and thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, thank you also, man. Right back at you. Thank you. You can just hear it in Tim Rozon's voice, can't you? It's, it's that heartbroken sound of, of a guy who loves the show that he's on and loves the fans so much and loves the story. He's brokenhearted, man, and I know that Erpers are too. And, I mean, anything that we can do... To help the fight for Winona, we're going to do it. Make sure you're spreading that hashtag, fight for Winona, every day. Do as much as you can. And I know I don't have to tell Erpers that because you're going to do it anyway. It definitely is one of the best fandoms in nerd culture and geek culture. Love Erpers and anything that we can do here on the Down and Nerdy Podcast to help the cause. We're absolutely going to do that because we can't wait for Season 4 of Winona Erp. So keep rewatching sci-fi.com. Keep rewatching the show, and hopefully we get good news about the show very, very soon. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to Tim Rosan for joining me this week to talk about the fight for Winona. Hopefully it won't be that much longer. If you want to get more info on our, our past Winona Earp interviews, we got a ton of them. Go to downandnerdypodcast.com, find out how you can subscribe to us, and find out how you can get access to those old shows and those old interviews. We've talked to Melanie Scarfano, Emily Andrus, Bo Smith, Tim a couple times. Make sure you go check that out. Plus, make sure you're following us on social media, facebook.com slash downandnerdy. At Dan and Nerdy 757 on Twitter and on Instagram. Make sure you're following our posts from WonderCon 2019 because there's going to be a ton of great stuff coming from us there this weekend as well. Remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly. Be good to your fellow nerds and hashtag fight for Winona.